The physical changes are secondary. It's the mental transformation that gets people hooked on health and fitness. Welcome to the Mental Reps Podcast, where you've come to grow your mind in order to transform your body. I'm your host, Deanna. Let's dive right in. Hello and welcome back to the Mental Reps Podcast. I am your host, Deanna, and we are diving into part two of my Q&A series. Last week, we released part one, and as I mentioned briefly in that episode, you guys did an exceptional job of blowing me up with questions, which is exactly what I asked for, what I wanted, and really what I wanted the purpose of a Q&A to be. So I'm super excited to be diving into part two for today, answering quite a few more of your questions that were delivered to me anonymously through a link that I had posted over on my Instagram. Now, for future reference, anyone out there listening who does want to chime in on the conversation, wants to be able to pick my brain, ask a question, get my views, my thoughts, my opinions on whatever the matter is, health and fitness related or not, I will definitely be doing question and answer type episodes in the near future. So keep an eye out and go over and follow me on Instagram, just at Deanna Magro. I will put the link to my Instagram in the description of today's episode. Now, if you are new here, welcome, welcome to the show. We are here for all things mental toughness, mental discipline, just putting in the mental reps. Yes, the name of the show when it comes to your health and fitness journey and really just showing up and developing into the person that you are meant to be and really reaching your full potential. And I think people get caught up in thinking that I'm here for the physical. I'm here to help you get abs or stay lean or lose fat. And sure, that's a piece of the puzzle, but my hopes always is that through that process of becoming physically strong, you're becoming mentally the strongest you have ever been. And in my opinion, that side, that change, that shift, that transformation has to happen first. You have to go through the mental reps and the mental work in order to see the physical goals come to light, come to fruition, and be the best, most badass version of you. So if you are new here, that is a little gist of the show, and I'm super excited, like I said, for part two of a question and answer series. Let's let's do it. Let's dive right in. I, I say part two. I'm hoping that this is going to be uh, part two of two and that I won't need to go into a part three series, but depending on the questions and how much I like to just rant and rave and chew your ears off. We may need to do a part three. I don't know. It could get crazy. We've got quite a few things here that I want to cover and we're going to jump right in. Picking up right where we left off, question number one for part two of the series is how do you stay so lean? Now, this is a question that I actually get asked pretty frequently because if, again, you follow me on Instagram or social media or we're friends in person, I I'm, I'm pretty lean. I'm relatively lean all year round. Right. And that's not to say I don't go through bulking phases, reverse dieting phases. I just, my body composition doesn't change so drastically based on the season. Right. And and that's, we'll get into it in a second, but a lot of that is also due to the fact that I live a healthy lifestyle and I don't see any need for me personally in my goals. And at this stage of my health and fitness journey to pack on, you know, 10 pounds of fat, for the winter, right? I am not a bear. I am not hibernating. I don't need to go into complete excess for the winter and then complete, you know, craziness for the summer. Like that just, that's a headache 
in my opinion. And I would so much rather be able to kind of approach it the way that I do. So basically speaking, and again, this is very individualized. I am definitely, I would say not gifted with my genetics because genetics don't mean shit if you're not working hard, but I naturally am a more small person. Like if I were not to lift weights, I didn't go to the gym. I would just be like skinny and little. And that's not a bad thing. There's nothing wrong with that. But my natural makeup is definitely on the smaller side. So when it comes to staying lean and how I remain lean, you know, all year round or year after year, and this is just how my body is at this point, it is due to a number of different factors. One, in a general sense, I live a healthy lifestyle. Nothing that I do to have abs or to have a six pack is so hard, so unsustainable, so crazy that I can't do it every single day of my life. And if you're doing things that are so drastic, you can only keep up with it for that six week challenge. Like then there's no point in, at least in my opinion, in doing those things. So every habit, every routine, everything that I take on or implement into my health and fitness journey is a routine that I can do all the fucking time, all the time. Now, whether I'm going through a little bit of a cutting phase for the summer or a reverse diet or a building phase for the winter, yes, my, you know, adjustments for calories and workouts and cardio does absolutely change for the season, for the time period, for whatever, whatever my goals are. But again, it's not changing so drastically that like I look like a different human being from December to July. Like that's just, that's not me. Obviously, I'll be a little bit leaner, maybe a little bit down on the scale, a little bit less body fat for like the summer months. But heading into the winter, I don't jack up my calories so high that I'm like unrecognizable. Uh, That's my personal preference. I would rather, again, maintain my physique the way that I have it because that's what works for me. So when it comes to staying so lean or just lean in general, I actually did an episode on this not too long ago with my top tips for getting and staying lean. And a lot of those things do revolve around lifestyle. None of those tips are like, take a fat burner and jump on the Stairmaster every day. You got it. Burn calories. Woohoo. Like that's not, that's not it. And that's not what I do. So to stay lean. And I really do. If you ask this question or if you're interested in hearing more of my response, I highly recommend giving that other episode a listen uh, with more of my top tips, but it's lifestyle for me. I, I live an active lifestyle. I hit a certain step goal every single day. I don't really have to think about it. I'm just moving and grooving. I am in a very consistent routine with my strength training, my lifts, drinking my water, eating whole foods, all of the habits necessary for any individual in America to, or anyone to be able to get lean, those habits have become my lifestyle. And when you can maintain that as a lifestyle, you have complete and utter control over your body, over your physique, what you look like. And when you reach your goal, you have the ability to maintain it. Now, is that to say that this is my end goal and my current physique is the way I always want to look? No, of course not. I'm going to keep building, keep growing, keep doing the thing for years and years to come. And I'm going to look back 10 years from now and be like, wow, That girl looks like a wimp compared to how I do now. Like I have so much more that I want to accomplish, but bottom line is I will be able to maintain a healthy physique all year round for years and years to come because everything that I do is part of my lifestyle. It's a habit. It's a routine. It's not something I have to think about. Next question reads, going through a breakup and staying on track with either A, losing my appetite or B, eating for comfort. So First things first, for whoever asked this question, I'm so sorry to hear that. I know, personally speaking, going through a breakup of any capacity is is fucking hard. It sucks. 
whether it was your choice, their choice, a mutual decision. It's just, it's never easy, especially if you guys were together for a really long time. It, there's, there's so many layers to this. So first things first, I just want to, you know, express my sincerity in saying you got this, you will get through it. It's, it's only hard for a short period of time. It's everything is temporary. Okay. So one day at a time for sure, that's the best way to approach this. But when it comes down to your appetite and either a, like a, I don't want to eat anything. I'm not hungry. I food repulses me. I can't do it. Or B it's the eat everything. Where's the chocolate? Give me the cupcakes. I need cookies. You name it. And I, I have trust me been on both sides of the spectrum. So I think this does come with a level of maturity as well. Um, because bottom line is you, regardless of what you're going through in life, whether this is a breakup, just things, you know, day to day, you are still responsible as an adult uh, for taking care of yourself. And if you can look at it objectively like that and kind of pull the emotions out of things for just a hot minute, we can really probably agree on the fact that you need food. And not only just food, you need fuel. Your body is a machine and it's requiring a lot, a lot in order to run and function the way that it needs to every day. And this is not from a health and fitness perspective. This is not to build muscle. This is just on a very cellular organ level, brain function type level. You need fuel. And trust me when I say I have absolutely gone the route of losing my appetite, losing a ton of weight, feeling like a freaking string bean because of things like this where emotions run high. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, just eat like it's fine. You're good. That advice is shit. Um, because in that moment, in the way you feel, it's really hard to just push through. Something that I said and kind of hold myself to, like I said, is a bit of that maturity. The more that I think we all grow up in life and we go through things that are hard, like really, really hard things, we start to learn more about ourselves and we become a little bit more self-aware. So in this type of situation, not that I want you to go through a breakup 25 times and really learn every time, every step of the way, but if you can go through hard things and each time get a little bit better at still taking care of yourself, you're going to start to be able to overcome those challenges with a lot more ease. That's not to say the challenges aren't going to come or that life gets any easier because it doesn't. But if you can get a lot more solid in that, you know, I, I, I know I've got me type of deal, you'll start to be able to take care of yourself a little bit more. So I like to bring it back to the basics in situations like this. And when it comes to just eating habits for a situation like a breakup, sticking to your basics, All right? Let's get three meals a day in. Doesn't have to be anything crazy. You don't need to be chefing up five, six meals a day to hit your protein goal. But if we can eat three meals a day, that's a really solid place to start. If you're feeling good on your three meals, let's build on that. Okay, let's do three meals a day. Make sure each one includes a vegetable. It sounds so silly because the last thing you're thinking about in a situation like this or going through a breakup is eating a freaking piece of broccoli. Like I, I get that, but we have to remember what I always like to think about is the food that I put in my body is directly correlated with the way that I feel. And if I feel like shit, I better stop feeding my body shit. I better stop eating strictly comfort foods. I better stop depriving myself of calories. Like if I want to feel better, I have to fuel with better. And again, that applies to any situation, breakups, you know, stressful situations, life in general, getting really hard. If you want to feel better, you have to fuel better. So I, I really do think it does come with time and giving yourself a little bit of grace as well. The first couple of weeks post breakup, first couple of days, it's hard. It's rough. Don't try to eat broccoli. Go eat your cupcakes. Go eat your ice cream. Like go, go be emotional as you absolutely should, but give yourself a deadline. 
right? After Friday, like I'm done with this shit. After Friday, I'm not eating ice cream for breakfast. After Friday, I'm, I'm starting my day with some vegetables or some fruit. You know what I mean? Like give yourself a time to mope around and feel the feels and then take a step forward. And sometimes, again, giving yourself a little bit more of that timeline does help with moving forward. Not that you're going to feel better right away, but if you can start to fake it till you make it sort of deal with at least your food choices, I guarantee your energy is going to pick up a little bit. Your mental health is going to improve a little bit. You're going to start to function like a human being again. And that breakup will start to become a little bit of an easier pill to swallow day after day. So that's kind of my best approach for this. And it's not perfect. It's not going to be pretty, but that's okay. As long as you are continuing to improve and take it one day at a time. All right, next up we've got, did you get a promotion? Yes, I did. Thank you very much for noticing. I feel like I just got like a physical compliment. Like you got your hair done. I'm like, oh, thank you for noticing. But I did, uh, I did get a promotion and I'm super, super excited about it. I am now the head coach for The Higher Standard, which is an online health and fitness company that I work for. Um, I have been coaching through THS for a little over two years now. And I absolutely love it. I am so passionate about what I do and to be able to do that alongside other incredible coaches working with the best clients, just it, it sounds so corny, but it is a dream come true. And to be able to go from, you know, where I was when I started and really just learning the ropes of coaching to now being promoted to head coach and taking care of so many other responsibilities. I mean, it is a really, really cool and, and amazing feeling. It's, it's good to grow. It's good to be, you know, recognized for your hard work and the work that you're doing. So yes, I did get a promotion and I have been loving it ever since. Next question back to health and fitness says, how's your gut issues? And have you found anything that has really been helping you? Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. Let me give a little backstory to this question. So I, have been having some, I don't really even know what to explain it as gut issues is like the best, most, you know, vague way to describe it, where it's just like bloating and digestion and my stomach hurts. Uh, if I don't eat anything, my stomach hurts. If I do eat something, my stomach hurts. If I go too long without eating anything, my stomach hurts. It's, and I roll my eyes too, because for so long, I've heard so many people in my life be like, oh, I have a stomach ache. And I never, ever, ever dealt with it at all. Where I'm like, what do you mean? Like your stomach always hurts. Like, you're fine. You're good. Like that, that's the way my brain works is that you're fine. You're good. Um, and that applies to me and everyone around me. So I just, to actually take a second to step back and be like, yo, you're not good. You're not fine. You're not good. Something's going on, um, has been really frustrating, but it's eye opening to be able to learn a lot more about what potentially is happening. So currently I have absolutely no idea what's going on and what's causing the insane inflammation and bloating and, Every time I eat something, I'm like, holy moly, I need to put on the largest t-shirt that I own and walk around and just be covered up, which is super frustrating. Going back to kind of the first question with working my ass off for my physique and staying lean and staying built and, and putting in all this hard work, it, it really sucks to feel like there's something going on semi out of my control or just unknown that's almost covering up all of the hard work that I'm putting in. And I know that sounds dramatic and it is, but it just, it, it is really, really difficult. So gut issues have slightly improved. I would say from a pain standpoint, I'm definitely not dealing with like, 
you know, consistent stomach pain and like burning all day long, which that was the case for a good few weeks there, which was horrible. So that has definitely subsided a little bit. Um, but like the bloating inflammation, the, you know, if I eat something, I can't wear a bathing suit for the next six days, basically that, that kind of shit is still very much here. Um, and I'm working to get that resolved. So few things that I have been doing that I think actually have been helping a little bit. I started doing my reds, greens, and glutamine, um, which is a new one for me. So I started taking first forms, reds and greens, probably back in like 2020, I want to say. And I took them every single day, really no issues, no problem. I swore by them. They were great. When all of my gut issues started to flare up months and months ago, I pretty much took all supplements out of the picture to kind of just get to possibly the root of the problem, see if there was anything going on. So I stopped the red, stopped the green, stopped any protein powder, like no supplements at all. Um, and didn't notice any bit of an improvement, even a little bit. So I was like, okay, well, don't think it was any of that. So I recently added the reds and greens back into my morning routine um, with the addition of glutamine. So glutamine is a new supplement that I've been taking for a couple of weeks now, which helps a lot with, I mean, it has a ton of different benefits. It helps a lot with even muscle building and muscle retention and protein synthesis, as well as your gut. And that's kind of something that's tied closely together. If you've ever heard of leaky gut, um, taking glutamine, I don't want to get too like scientific with supplements for today's call, but uh, taking glutamine does help a little bit with that leaky gut, that nutrient absorption, and kind of just strengthening everything from an internal standpoint. So now every morning I mix my reds, greens, and glutamine together into like this gut health cocktail, I call it, and I drink that. Um, and I have actually noticed, I, I feel like maybe a little bit of an improvement, which like knock on wood, I don't want to jinx things. So potentially that um, I've also just been pretty conscious of what I'm eating, but not to sound like super negative, but I'm at the point where like, I can't figure this shit out and everything seems to bother it in any capacity. So I'm like, I'm tired of trying to cut foods out because nothing seems to matter. Like, oh, I'll cut out eggs. No change. Okay. Then what the fuck did I do that for? Oh, I'll cut out, you know, onions, no change. Okay. What did I do that for? Oh, cut. like it was to the point where I'm like, well, I can't eat anything. And that was infuriating. So I decided that I'm just going to be eating as I normally would. Um, and I'm going to be consulting with a registered dietitian slash like gut health specialist who I found, um, to hopefully get to the root of the problem, do some lab testing, you name it. So I will keep you guys updated because it's quite unfortunate how many people deal with this and have dealt with this. And I'm not just talking about like, oh, I get bloated after I eat. Like, yes, okay. It's to some degree, a level of bloating after you eat is very normal. It's the pain, the insane bloating, the uncomfortable, like fullness. It's, it's a whole mess. And again, it sucks that so many of us deal with this. So if there's anything that I find out or figure out or cut out or add in, I will definitely keep you guys updated so that you, if you are dealing with this, can do the same. And to go off of this question, the next one actually reads, um, are your stomach issues from job stress? Uh, so specifically speaking, no, I wouldn't say so. I think stress in general is something really important to focus on though, because it's actually mind blowing how negative an impact stress can have on your body. And I'm not talking about like you're a little stressed because you were running late for work that morning and you were like rushing around. I'm talking about like chronic day after day, stress, stress, stress without any sort of relief or, you know, going above and beyond with your recovery or your sleep. Like if you are just constantly in a stressed out state, your body sooner or later is going to start screaming at you for that. 
So do I think that my stomach issues are from my job stress and being a coach stress? No. Um, do I deal with stress from my job and, and just managing so many people? I think, yeah, absolutely. I think anybody would uh, in my role, but I don't think it's necessarily a one-to-one -one correlation. So with that being said, I think I can 1000% do a better job of trying to relieve some of my stress. And I actually have been doing that quite a bit with allowing myself to sleep in when I'm fucking exhausted, allowing myself to take an extra rest day when I'm really, really sore, like basically just not expecting my body to be a robot um, and, and taking time to just breathe and calm down and go on a walk and read a book like shit that a year ago, I would have been like, I don't need that. Like, no, I do. I definitely do. So I think in any capacity, if you do feel like you are chronically stressed, kind of like I am, you just go about your day and your life in this hyper elevated state, um, it is going to start taking a very negative toll on your body. So in some capacity, stomach issues are 1000% tied to just my increased stress levels. Next question reads, can you still see progress slash fat loss if you're going through a reverse diet, if it's not the first time you're going through a reverse? So I want to break down this question a little bit because I think whoever asked it is a little bit confused on the purposes, the goal, the reasoning behind a reverse diet. So first things first, you really shouldn't or very few and far between see progress in a reverse diet. So this person asked, can you still see progress in fat loss if you're reversing and this isn't the first time you've done it? You really shouldn't be and you can't really expect to be seeing fat loss through a reverse dieting phase. The goal of a reverse diet is not to see fat loss. And in most cases, you don't really see any physical progress. So it doesn't really matter if you've gone through a reverse once, twice, six times, 25 times. It's more than likely that you are not going to be seeing physical changes. And if anything, you are seeing physical changes, they're probably more so geared towards a little bit of weight gain. And it could be necessary weight gain. It could be a little bit of fat, a little bit of muscle, but it's not going to be like, oh my gosh, I lost three pounds of fat the first reverse diet I went through. Hopefully I can do that again the next time. Okay. Because the point of a reverse diet is to target internal processes. It's to make sure that your metabolism is functioning the way that it needs to be, that your cells are getting the calories, the nutrients that they need to be. Your muscles are well-fed and well-built. Basically a reverse diet is teaching your body to utilize more calories to stay the exact same. In some rare cases, eating more through that process, you can see a little bit of weight loss or fat loss. You can be making progress. You can start to notice like, hold on, I feel stronger. I look leaner. I'm, I'm, everything feels better now that I'm eating more. And that's fantastic. That is, I would say more so the few and far between for a reverse. And if you are going through a reverse diet and you need a little bit more clarification here, I did an entire episode again on what this process looks like, what to expect, who needs it, you know, milestones and markers to look for during this phase. But the bottom line is you really shouldn't be seeing, not that you shouldn't, but you really won't see fat loss during this time. And it honestly, like, Again, the more time you go through each of these phases, typically the quicker your body will respond because um, it's kind of like, oh, like I've been here before. Like I kind of recognize this process. I know the drill. We're cutting calories. We're building calories. We're doing this. We're doing that. But 
each time you do it, you should still see progress from it with whatever the goal is. For reversing, the goal is not fat loss, so you're not going to see a ton of progress for fat loss, but you will see progress in regards to energy levels coming up, strength coming up. Maybe you're able to maintain the same weight on the scale that you did, now eating 600 more calories a day. That's a huge milestone. That's a lot of progress to be seen, but it's not going to be seen in the form of fat loss. So if you are going through a reverse or you're a little bit confused on this process and what it looks like, I definitely recommend giving that other episode a listen um, just to gain a little bit of clarity there as well. Next up, we've got how many calories do you consume a day and do you adjust your calories for rest days? So actually funny you ask the day I'm recording this, it is a rest day for me. So I am not going to give you guys the amount of calories that I consume every day. I just I used to hate, hate, hate when I found people on Instagram, social media, and they would say this, like, I don't want to tell you my calories. I'd be like, why? Just fucking just tell me. Like, I just need to know. I want to know. I'm curious. And I get that. But now that I'm kind of in the opposite position, I completely understand why. So the last thing I want to do is be like, I eat, I don't know, 3000 calories a day. And then you're like, oh, cool. She eats 3000 calories a day. She's super strong. I'm going to eat 3000 calories a day because I want to be super strong or vice versa with losing weight, gaining muscle, losing fat, whatever it is, because the calorie number is so individual. It is not a, I eat 1500 calories, you should eat 1500 calories. It's not, I bulk eating 18,000, you should do the same thing. It, it doesn't work. It won't matter. It, we're not on the same workout plan. We're not in the same workout split. We don't have the same body composition. Our lifestyles look totally different. So it quite literally does not matter how many calories I consume in a day, because even if you were to replicate the exact same macro split, the exact same meals, everything to a T, there is still a very high percentage that you will not see the same results. You might see more results. Like it, it just, it's so individual. So I won't answer that piece, but to answer the second with, do you adjust calories for rest days? No, I do not. I eat the same calories every single day, whether I'm hitting a leg day, whether I'm hitting a rest day, what, whatever it's going to be. Now, I don't aim for a specific, you know, to a T number, say it's 2000 calories. If I'm a little bit shy of 2000 calories on a rest day, because I'm not really as hungry, I wasn't training, that's fine. If I go a little bit above 2000 calories on a leg day, because I'm starving, that's fine. What people get so caught up in is like, I have to be perfect. And your body doesn't know the difference of you eating 1900 calories one day or 2050 calories the next day. You may go crazy on my fitness pal thinking it has to be perfect. And the closer you can get to perfect, great. That's awesome. But do not stress yourself out with trying to hit it to a T every single day of your entire life. You're going to go crazy. But no, I do not adjust my calories for rest day. Today, like I said, is a rest day. I went out on a little bit of a longer walk earlier. I will be eating the same meals that I always eat. And that is that. I need that, fu I need that food for fuel um, on my rest days, whether I'm training or not, because today is the day I'm actually recovering quite a bit from the workout I did yesterday. And actually to go off on a little tangent with that as well, you guys are overcomplicating the shit out of this. Like there is so much information out there, but 99% of it is not applicable to the general population. Even tracking macros is, is not for everyone. Even, you know, strength training is not for everyone. There's things that I do every single day that most people don't need to do. You don't need to worry about, you know, bumping calories up on a leg day versus cutting carbs down on, on a rest day and drinking a little bit more water on the day at like 
oh, holy shit. You're, no wonder people are so lost and confused with health and fitness is because you're doing the most for absolutely no reason. Keep things so simple. If you can keep things simple and hit those simple things all the damn time, you're going to be so much better off than someone who's trying to overcomplicate the process and adjust calories for rest days and carb cycle for their leg days. Like relax, everyone relax. Okay. We don't need to be going that crazy with nutrition, unless you are prepping for a, some sort of bodybuilding competition and you have a coach who's walking you through all of that. If you are just here for general health, losing weight, maybe building some muscle, you do not need to be doing the most with cycling calories and less here, more there. Like, no, 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 no. Find what works for you for the goals that you have and do it every single day. And the next question falls right in line with that small little tangent. And it asks thoughts on intermittent fasting. I, 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 is it possible to just be like, I don't have a thought. Like I don't, like I do obviously, but it just, there's so much out there. Thoughts on intermittent fasting or carb cycling or keto or dairy free, or, you know, I heard apples are bad for you because they have too much sugar. Like I've literally, I've, I've heard it all and you're over complicating it. So thoughts on intermittent fasting, my immediate thoughts right off the bat, I don't think it's super awesome. Uh, reason being is because a lot of the times what happens is you start to, like that, that's not the way our bodies are meant to eat and to be fueled, right? If you wake up at 6 a.m. and you're not eating anything until your, your window starts at like 12 or 1, that's a lot of time spent in a catabolic state, right? You just fasted for eight hours sleeping. Now you're fasting for another six during the day. Like that's a long time for your body to be running on absolutely no fuel, none. I know personally, if I tried to do that, like I'm starving the second I wake up. I just went through eight hours of sleeping, of not eating any food. I should be hungry upon waking and I should be fueling my body as soon as I'm awake. So uh, uh, right off the bat, I don't love it for a lot of those reasons too. It also gives that kind of restrictive feeling of like, I can't eat yet. Like why? You should be listening to your hunger cues. You should be listening to your hunger levels. And it's a different story if you're not really hungry until 11 and you push breakfast back one day who cares? But if you are intentionally causing your body to force not eating for a certain period of time, I just, to me, there's nothing natural about that process. Now I'm well aware of the research and I do know that there are benefits there for quite a few different specific populations of people. But again, to the general masses, I don't think it's super awesome. I think it can help for some people with just keeping and maintaining a calorie deficit. Um, so for example, if you are trying to eat 2000 calories for your day in order to lose weight. And for you, that's, that's pretty low. That's maybe hard to do, or you always find yourself overeating. Basically, if you cut the amount of time that you spend eating in your day down, it's going to be a lot easier to stick to those calories. So instead of trying to cram in meals from 8am to maybe, I don't know, 9pm, only on 2000 calories, you're going to crunch that in from 12 to 8 and you'll have a lot easier time following and adhering to that plan. So for just general weight loss or body composition goals, I don't love the idea of intermittent fasting. And I think if you're having a really hard time sticking to your calorie number, and this is why you're trying it, um, I would highly recommend just second guessing the calories you're trying to eat, whether or not they're right for you, what we can do to kind of switch that around a little bit, but everyone's their own human being. If this is what works for you, fantastic. Go for it. Me, I could never. Uh, if you told me I, I have to wake up and I can't eat till one o'clock, like 
I, I think I would faint. You'd have to peel me off the floor and like carry me over your shoulder to do whatever I had to do for the day. Cause that just, it's not going to work for me. So if it works for you, fantastic. Again, I don't love it. Uh, there's also a lot of research that supports it not being the best for women and hormones as well. Um, but again, everyone is individual and you are more than welcome to make your own decision. Next question reads, is distance running really bad for weight loss? Do you actually lose muscle? So yes and no, there's, there's a little bit of complexity here. So in a general sense, any activity that you can do that you enjoy, that you can stick to go for it. If that's running great. If it's rock climbing, awesome. If it's Zumba, fantastic. Go do you go do what you want to do. Move your body. I'm all for it. Now, if you're starting to get specific with kind of what you want your body composition to look like or what goal weight you have and you're trying to really narrow down the activities that will help you get there efficiently, um, I don't love distance running for weight loss. Now, this person asked, is it bad for weight loss? No. Here's why people get a little bit iffy on this and it's not recommended um, because you do could you could potentially lose muscle mass hear me out if you are running long distance you're running five ten miles a day to lose weight are you burning calories during that run absolutely your heart rate is up you're moving your body you're running you're doing the thing calories are being shed which can help with a calorie deficit and losing weight now the issue then lies when that distance run is done you finish running, you end your watch, you woof, oh good, my heart rate comes back down. You are no longer burning any calories. So say you ran for, I don't know, an hour, let's call it. You run for an hour, you are going to be burning calories for the duration of that hour. Once that run is done, you're no longer burning calories. However, compared to strength training or anything where you're building and utilizing muscle mass in that regard, you continue to burn calories for hours and hours to come. The, the, how do I want to phrase this? The type of exercise that you do determines how much longer you are burning calories for. Now, when it comes to distance running, this person also asked, do you really lose muscle? Potentially, yes. If you're running 10 miles a day and you are not very much on top of your nutrition and your protein intake and every other form of exercise that you're doing, you're just running 10 miles a day, absolutely you are going to be burning through the amount of muscle mass in your legs for sure. Lower body is going to become very, very depleted. Think about any sort of marathon runners or even sprinters that you see on TV. Do any of them have these big, nice leg muscles? No. They are lean, they are super strong, but they are built for that particular exercise. Reason being is having a ton of muscle mass on your legs is not efficient. And our bodies want to do anything in their power to be the most efficient possible. So what's going to happen is your body is very smart and it's going to recognize that you're going out on these long distance runs every day. And in order to make that long distance run easier, we need to get rid of some of this muscle mass. So as you are burning calories through that run, a majority of the calories being burned are actually going to be muscle mass being shed and lost through that time. If you're not doing any sort of strength training any other days of the week, you're never rebuilding any of that muscle tissue, you're going to be losing some muscle, which then in turn leads to less calories burned overall. Your BMR will actually decrease. So in order to be the most efficient for losing weight, you want to have a good deal of muscle on your body because muscle is a calorie burning furnace. And the more muscle you have, the more calories you burn, the more weight you can lose a little bit faster. 
So I don't hate distance running for weight loss. I think if it's your only mode of exercise, it is going to be a little bit harder from a body composition standpoint. Um, but hopefully that kind of clears the air a little bit. I'm not saying don't run. I just wouldn't recommend it as your primary form of exercise for weight loss. Next question we have, what are the supplements that you recommend the most and how do you choose them? There are so, so many options on the market. Ain't that the truth? There is such a saturation in supplements and workout programs. And I mean, which is, I think, fantastic. I think the more we can have in regards to helping people live a healthy lifestyle, I mean, I'm all for it. The problem then lies for most people is how do we pick and choose? How do we determine what's quality versus what's not? What protein powder do I go with? And what workouts do I do? It becomes almost too much in that information overload. So for me personally, I stick with one brand and one brand only for all of my supplements. I use First Form for everything that I put in my body. I wholeheartedly trust every single thing that that brand stands for, the way all of their supplements are formulated. Just quality assurance is, is number one for me. You're literally putting things in your body. So why anybody would sacrifice you know, cost or convenience when it comes to what you're putting in your body, that, that blows my mind. So I use First Form for all of my supplements. But that being said, I don't think anyone out there needs to go bonkers, crazy bananas on ordering every supplement that could potentially appeal to them. Because if you read through the description on most supplements, even just first form, for example, if I go out and pull up on the website right now, I can read the description of probably 25 different supplements and nod my head and be like, wow, okay, I could benefit from that. Oh, okay, wow, I could need that. Oh, well, that that might help me. And that's that's not a bad thing. But just because it could potentially appeal to you doesn't mean we always need all of them. So how do we pick and choose? Personally speaking, I think that there are a few supplements that, you know, 90% of the population could benefit from and should be highly considering. Um, first things first is a multivitamin. I think that there is probably 1% of all of us who eat an adequate amount of fruits, veggies, whole grains, you know, enough of the rainbow in order to get in the right amount of all of our vitamins, minerals, et cetera, right? Like how many fruits and vegetables do you actually eat? every single day. And for the week, how, what's what's the variety in there? Like how often are you? It just we could go down a rabbit hole with this and there's pretty much no one out there who's going to hit all of the markers. So, what do we do? We supplement in with a high quality multivitamin that fills in those gaps. And most people look at a multivitamin, they look at micronutrients, they look at fruits and veggies and they just roll their eyes like, "Hey, eh, whatever." Your body can't do what it needs to do if you don't have the right amount of micronutrients in there. So if your diet is shit and you can't think of a single color that you ate today, you need a multivitamin. But you don't just need some random multivitamin. Don't just go pick up like a men's health or a women's health off the, the shelf at CVS. Like really do some research into figuring out what is good versus what is a waste of your money. So the first form micro factor packs is something that I take every single day. It gives me a very wide range of micronutrients, vitamins, minerals, things that I know I'm just not getting enough of in my diet. Um, and I can be aware enough to know that, that I'm not perfect with what I eat and I need that multivitamin to fill those gaps. So that's number one. Number two that I think a uh, supplement that most people should be utilizing is a protein powder. Uh, whether that's a whey protein powder, a whey isolate, a vegan protein powder, whatever, it, whatever's going to work best for you and your system and your digestion. But the reason I say that is probably number two is just because of the sheer 
necessity of protein in our diets with the lack of people who actually eat an adequate amount. So for most of us, if you were to just eat about your merry day and you don't really think twice about it, you're not going to eat enough protein, myself included, right? My, I don't want chicken. Like I don't crave chicken. I might crave pasta, right? Like I might crave like a nice bowl of oatmeal, but I'm not craving ground turkey. Like, I don't know. We don't usually eat very protein forward. That's not the way our society is typically set up. So making sure that we are being very intentional with eating protein in all of our meals. But if we do fall a little bit short, having a very high quality protein powder that can give you a bump of, you know, 20 to 30 grams is never a bad idea. So I like to make sure that people who are utilizing a protein powder never do more than one serving a day um, in regards to processed protein. So what you don't want to do is get a protein powder for after your workout and then do a protein shake for lunch. And then you're having a protein bar on your way home from work. Like that's when people start to run into issues with supplementation. So I like the uh, protein powder from first form. The flavors are out of this freaking world. They're insane. They are so freaking good. I, I, every time I try and do one, I'm like, shut the fuck up. This isn't even protein. This is, it, it tastes incredible. I've come up with so many different like mug cake recipes or protein cookie dough just because the flavors are freaking ridiculous. So that's another one that I definitely recommend. Um, next on my list, I touched on it a little bit earlier, a green slash red supplement. I take those every day from first form. Um, I'll add glutamine to that list just because I touched on it earlier as well. Um, and then anything other, if, if you are looking for more so again, health and health and fitness, uh, creatine is another supplement that I don't think everyone needs. Personally, I've actually never taken it. Um, but it is one of the highest and most researched supplements out there. We know a lot more about creatine than we do really any other supplement and the benefits that it can hold for muscle building, muscle retention, you name it. Um, another one that I take every single day is collagen just due to the sheer amount of stress and pressure I put on my body through lifting. Uh, collagen helps to make sure all of my joints, tendons, ligaments, everything internally again is as strong and elastic as it needs to be in a good way. So those are kind of my top choices there. And again, with picking a brand, I highly recommend First Form. That's where I use all of my supplements through. I do have a link through First Form as well for free shipping. Um, if you are interested in purchasing anything or trying anything, ask beforehand though, like shoot me a message and on what you're thinking about ordering. Don't just go order a bunch of stuff because it sounds cool or the flavors are awesome. Like there, there should be a little bit more thought there. So I'm all ears for any conversation. I'll, I'll leave my link in the website or in the um, podcast description as well. If you want to go order anything, you will get free shipping. Next question reads, how much water do you drink a day? And do you, how do you suggest distributing the water intake to each uh, meal slash reaching that daily goal? And then third part says, do you count coffee, juices, milk, etc. as water. So personally speaking, I aim to drink a gallon of water a day. I have a hydro jug sitting right next to me. That is a half a gallon. So I try to, I fill that up at the start of the day. I try to finish that half by around noon or one o'clock, and then I will refill it and do my very best to drink the rest of it for the end of the day. Now I am not perfect with my water intake. I do my best to drink my gallon. I feel like I notice a difference in regards to my digestion, my skin, that's the biggest one for me. I notice my skin is so much nicer and clearer and just prettier when I'm drinking enough water and I'm hydrated enough. Um, personally, I sweat a fuck ton in my workouts. It's not cute. It's not pretty. It's not like it's gross. It just, if you see me in the gym, no, you didn't. 
it's bad. So I really, really do try to make sure, especially on days where I'm working out, I'm drinking enough water to just keep that balance in there, but it does help me a ton with my skin. Now, in regards to counting coffee, juices, milk, whatever, I honestly, the only other beverage or liquid that I drink is coffee. Um, I'll have a cup of coffee in the morning and I don't count that towards my water. Again, it's like a 12 ounce cup of coffee. It's not a big deal. I can slurp down 12 ounces of water in like three seconds. So I don't personally count those things toward it. I will count the water. I, if I'm you know, mixing up my reds and greens in the morning, I'll pour from my half gallon um, just to kind of keep that as part of the intake. But honestly, juices, milk, it depends how much you're drinking. If you're drinking a ton of juices, you probably need to be drinking more water. Same thing applies for coffee. So I would like to just keep it to strictly water as per that, you know, one gallon goal. Next question reads, is muscle soreness a bad thing? I got it yesterday for the first time. So heck yes. Muscle soreness is a great thing. It is a great thing. And there's a lot that goes into this. So muscle soreness is the result of you kicking ass and taking names in the gym. And for that, I am all for it. So the actual physical feeling of muscle soreness is because with strength training, you have broken down all of the muscle fibers in that muscle. And you're probably like, oh my gosh, what the heck? I don't want to be ripping things. I don't want things to be tearing. It's a good thing. There are tiny, teeny, tiny little micro tears in your muscle fiber that then your body signals and says, oh shoot, things are broken. We need to fix them. It sends blood flow there. It sends a ton of nutrients and oxygen. It sends a bunch of stuff to that area to work on repairing it. But like I always say, our bodies are hella smart. Okay. It's not just going to repair it back to what it was. It's going to repair it stronger. It's going to repair it bigger. It's going to repair it more able to complete whatever the heck you just did for next time. So it's better equipped to handle the load and the stressor. That soreness is because of the breaking down of the fibers. So no, it is absolutely not a bad thing. And it is more than likely expected whenever you are strength training. Now you don't have to be sore from every workout for it to be effective. You don't have to be hobbling around after leg day for it to be a good workout. Um, although I will beg to differ. I cannot remember a single leg day I've done where I wasn't actually hobbling for like a week. So you know, potato, potato, but it is not a bad thing. It's actually a good thing. You want to just make sure, again, you're giving your body enough time to rest and recover to allow that process to occur in order for you to be building stronger. Next question says, tips to lose belly fat specifically. Sorry, Sally, whoever asked this question, there is nothing that you can do to specifically lose belly fat, body fat, any fat in a particular area. There is nothing you can do. There's no amount of workouts or crunches or cardio or anything that will say, Hey, the fat will be gone right here and right here. Only the only way to lose fat through your stomach area is to decrease your overall body fat percentage. The only way to do that is to be in a mild, consistent calorie deficit for weeks and weeks and weeks on end until everything starts to shrink down. Now, what I will say is that the stomach area, especially for females, is the last area to go. So if you are noticing changes in your upper body or your back and your clothes are fitting better and your legs feel a little bit smaller, but you're like, what the fuck? My stomach still doesn't move. It's still the exact same. I see no progress. Stick with it. Okay. Because all of those other changes occurring is kind of like the ripple wave effect of like the bigger changes to come. And the bigger changes typically is your stomach which is why it is such a quote unquote problem area for a lot of people, because that is where we retain most of our fat. So if you're having trouble losing fat overall, that's going to be the last place to see it go. 
So stick with it. Consistency, I will say stomach fat in general is a little bit more stubborn in that it takes longer um, just as a protective measure that our bodies have put into play, but there's nothing you can do specifically. The only thing that you really should be paying attention to is your nutrition in regards to a calorie deficit. All right, next up we've got, do you use a teeth whitener? If so, which one? Your teeth are so white and I'm so envious. First off, thank you very much. Uh, uh, second off, I do. I just use the like Crest white strips. That's it. Noth nothing crazy. It's like the little strips that you put on like your top teeth and your bottom teeth and you let them sit for X amount of time and then you peel them off, you brush your teeth, you're good to go. So, and actually, personally speaking, I really don't use them that frequently. Um, one, my teeth are super, super sensitive. So if I whiten my teeth on like a Monday, I'm like having trouble still drinking cold water by like Wednesday, Thursday, like they get so sensitive, um, which I don't know what that's like the enamel or whatever. I'm not a dentist. I have no idea. So that is what I do. I'll do it probably maybe like once or twice a week um, for a couple weeks at a go and then let it kind of taper off. And when I start to notice them not getting so white anymore, I'll do it again. Nothing crazy. Um, I will say those Crest white strips are also very expensive, like prepare to break the bank, but I do think that they're worth it and they definitely do work. Back to health and fitness we go. Next question reads, how long did it take you to start noticing real gains after increasing to a calorie surplus? Uh, I don't love this question. The reason I don't love this question is because whoever's asking it is more than likely looking for a timeline. If I do this for blank amount of weeks, I'll be good. I can be done then. I'll see changes then. And if you're already looking for an end date, you're going to have a lot of trouble down the line with just sticking with it or even seeing results to begin with. So in all honesty, I don't know. Like I, I don't, I, I can't say like, Oh, after a year of strength training, I really started to notice difference after, you know, six months of this split, I really start. And I hate when people say that shit too, because there is no do this for six months and you'll see more results than doing that. Like, no, anything that you do consistently, you will see results from. Whether that takes you six months of consistency, two years of consistency, that's going to depend entirely on what the heck you're doing, right? If you're only going on, you know, a 30 minute walk every day to lose weight, will you lose weight? Yeah, for sure. If that's an improvement from where you've been, it might take three years, but you'll see weight loss versus someone who's going on a walk every day and strength training six days a week, they're going to see weight loss a lot faster. So how long it took me to see gains and, and notice changes, I have no fucking clue. And in all honesty, too, the part of this question that's saying like, when you increase to a calorie surplus, like I don't even, I didn't even do it intentionally. So I'm going to backpedal a little bit here too with just my journey through muscle building. I was a gymnast my entire life. I started gymnastics at three years old and never, ever stopped until I graduated college. I was a division one gymnast at the University of Maryland, and I was always very small. I, I was probably right around like 105 to like 110 pounds ish uh, throughout college. I'm, I'm 5'4", so that's pretty little for my height. I'm not super short or anything like that, um, and I was little. Now, when I graduated college and I started lifting and figuring that whole shebang out, I was gaining a little bit of weight and a little bit of muscle. It was kind of like that newbie gains type of deal um, where I was just seeing some changes, but I wasn't really growing in size. Like maybe I had more definition, but I wasn't really any bigger. And it wasn't until, um, honestly, it wasn't until COVID and quarantine where I really started to notice like actual changes 
in my physique. And I was super, super fortunate to have a really close friend of mine have a full setup gym in his garage, like everything you could need and more. And I basically just lifted all hours of the day because what the fuck else was there to do? You know what I mean? Like I was stuck doing nothing as we all were. And I was lifting, lifting heavy. And then we were stuck home. So I was cooking and baking and trying new recipes. And I was kind of like, you know, loosely tracking my food, but I was very unintentionally probably in a pretty big calorie surplus in comparison to where I always was. And it was the addition of the excess food, even if it wasn't coming from the best sources and just busting my ass to, to be lifting as hard as I was every day for way too long. Two, three hour lifts is excessive, but I was doing it. And the two of them combined was when I first started to notice real gains, I guess you can say from a muscle building standpoint, it was, I'm actually really grateful for that time because it was very eye opening as well. It's like, Hey, more food is not the enemy. And for the longest time through my health and fitness journey in gymnastics, I always thought that, you know, food would make me get bigger. And I didn't want to get bigger. And I didn't really know why I didn't want to, but I was just very content being small. Um, and it wasn't until that period of time where I did start gaining weight. I did start gaining muscle. My strength was through the roof. And I just kind of finally realized like, yeah, we, we needed this. We needed some more food. We needed to be probably in a surplus. We needed just a change up from always trying to be the smallest version of myself. So to answer this question, I have no idea how long it took me to start seeing results. I have been lifting or, or doing some sort of exercise strength training for so many years now that it's just an accumulation of all of it. Um, but keep at it. If this is you and you're struggling and you're not seeing changes, you're probably not eating enough and you're probably not pushing yourself enough. Your workouts should be very hard. You should be coming out of the gym saying, I just gave that everything that I've got. And then you should be refueling your body with the right kinds of foods. Don't go hit up Chick-fil-A every time you went to the gym because post-workout gains, like go eat a healthy meal. Okay. Don't be relying on some crap food. Don't be overdoing it on the weekends. If you're not happy with the results that you're making, do more, do better. We are coming down to the final few questions here for this episode. You guys, I told you, came at me with some really good ones. And I even tried to combine some similar ones so I wasn't repeating myself through this question and answer. So rolling right into the next question, this one reads, is it better to drop weight or increase weight for your sets in the gym? So there is a time and a place for each one. Generally speaking, you do want to be increasing the weight that you use every single set, every single set, your brain should go, Hmm, can I go a little heavier? Hmm. Can I bump up by five pounds? Hmm. Was that as hard as I could possibly push? And I need to just stay put for another set. Like that's the way your brain should work every single set for every single exercise, every single week. You should never just say, huh, 10, you know, 10 reps at, at 20 pounds. That felt pretty good. I'll just stay here. Like, no, no, we're increasing. Even if it's 20 pounds to 22.5, or just the smallest increases in the world, you should always be increasing. Now, this person asks, is it better to drop the weight? So there is a such thing as drop sets, meaning you are intentionally decreasing the weight, but it is after you increase. So for example, doing a drop set may look like doing bicep curls with 20 pound dumbbells and you do your reps and then you drop the weight, you pick up lighter weights and you do another 10 reps or whatever it's gonna be. So instead of increasing, you're decreasing. That should only be used for specifically recommended drop sets. That should not be the way you approach your workouts. You never really want to be decreasing the weight. You either want to be increasing or staying the same. Next question says, uh, can you make your podcast available on Apple podcasts? 
Yeah, I want to say yes. I don't know how to do that, but I can absolutely look into it if people are interested in having it streamed on another platform outside of Spotify, for sure. I will get working on that on my side. I'm sure it's probably an easy switch or something technologically based. I will figure it out for sure. Apple Podcasts, I am on it. I will get to it. Uh, next question after that says, staying on track while living at home with parents slash siblings and them cooking differently than you do versus living alone and cooking for just yourself. So you have come to the right place, girlfriend or boyfriend. It is very personal to me because I graduated college in 2019 and I lived home. I lived home, it was me, and I am one of four. So a house of six with everyone in the house, always for some weird reason, winding up in the kitchen at the same time. And us all trying to cook differently or eat differently. And it is really hard to do. I will say that right off the bat, right? Staying on track when you've got people surrounding you, whether that's friends, family, whoever, who are not in line with your goals, it becomes this added layer of challenging. And it's hard to stay on track. It's hard to go above and beyond and make yourself, you know, a good dinner when the rest of your family is ordering pizza. It's hard to say no to going out to ice cream when your whole family's heading out the door, right? When you have your own health and fitness goals and the people around you, not that they don't support you, but they're just, they're not in the same boat as you, it can be very difficult. So something that I did when I first came home from college, I came home, I'm like, I'm going to be the fitness queen. You guys watch out. Like I'm healthy eating. I quite literally, and I remember this very clearly, cooked dinner for my entire family every single night, every single night. There was about a month and a half post-graduation before I started like full-time work. And I literally used to cook my whole family a healthy dinner of whatever I wanted to eat. And they loved it, right? They had no problem getting a, a dinner served to them. It was no work on their side. My family's, you know, naturally healthy eaters as it is. So to have, you know, food on the table, that was a good meal. It was awesome for them. And it was great for me because it helped me stay on track. And they started to learn a lot more about just healthy eating or different recipes or you name it. Now, does that mean I didn't, you know, chime in and, and enjoy pizza night with my family as well? Hell freaking yeah, I did. I did. But I think having the conversation with them a little bit as well um, really was super, super helpful. So they knew why I was choosing what I was choosing or what I was making and what the reason for it was. And even just having that conversation sometimes too, being like, hey, everyone, I just cooked up X, Y, and Z. I'm putting it in the fridge. This shit is mine. I'm going to put a sticky note on it. This food is mine. Don't eat it. It's my meal prep, right? Having those conversations as well are sometimes necessary. And it used to drive my mom crazy because she would hate that. Like, you know, this was my food and so-and-so couldn't have it. And they had this, but I couldn't have that. She's like, this is, we are all under one roof. Like this is everyone's food. Um, but I did just start having those conversations. Like I will make you guys whatever you need, but this shit over here in the corner of the fridge, that is mine. Okay, so it's sometimes just having the conversation with the people in your life to open their eyes up to what you need um, and the choices you're making can help either get them on track or at the very least just kind of allow them to let you do your thing. Last question reads, have you ever missed a period due to a drastic change in your nutrition? And at what point do you recommend talking to a doctor about it? So uh, no, I cannot relate to this personally, just because I think I mentioned this in part one of this series. Um, I'm currently on birth control, which allows my period to be very regular and kind of a little bit out of my control. So no, I have never missed one due to changes in nutrition or lifestyle or training things of that nature. However, if this is you and this is happening, I would say maybe after the first time, talk to someone. 
there is absolutely no shame or really harm in just getting some answers, having a second look at things, having, you know, eyes on you in regards to just making sure your health is priority number one. Now, it is very normal to have your period and your cycle be interrupted through stress and changing uh, changes in your nutrition and your training schedule. All of that does impact that for sure, but you shouldn't be missing your period due to these things, right? There might be something else going on that is absolutely worth looking into. So I say after the first time this happened, talk to someone about it, uh, give your doctor a call, have them kind of take a look at maybe what could be going on. But personally speaking, no, I have not. And holy moly, that is going to wrap it up for this two-part series of question and answer. Seriously, thank you guys a million and one for just, you know, dropping questions, opening up about certain situations that you're in or getting my feedback and opinion on what I've been through. It's it's really cool to be able to use this platform, even though it was anonymous questions, to be able to just talk through things objectively, I feel like really helps and just gives a second set of eyes to a potential situation you are going through. So if you did drop a question, thank you very much for participating. Hopefully my answers were uh, helpful, insightful, maybe sparked some new questions. You guys know I'm always here to further help and assist and dive a little deeper if need be. So like I mentioned at the beginning, I will also drop my Instagram handle in the description for this episode. So you can give me a follow over on there, shoot me a DM, say hello, tell me what you think about the show, about the episode. Maybe one of these questions was your question and you want to go a little deeper and I'm all for it. So thank you to everyone who chimed in. Thank you to everyone who was listening to this two-part series. I know it was quite a bit of questions. And like I said, I definitely want to be doing this again in the near future. So keep your eyes peeled for some potential links going up for more questions and things like that. But I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of your day and we will talk soon.